Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome. And I just want to let everyone know this is our second meeting in our newly renovated council chambers. So uh, as we kind of find our way, hang in there with us. Uh, we're doing our best, and we, we did renovate our council chambers to make sure that they were completely ADA compliant and so that we could improve our technology and make sure that we were able to welcome everyone here to participate. So please understand, I'm sure I'll hit some bumps. I always do. So welcome to the Palm Desert City Council, successor agency to the Palm Desert Redevelopment Agency and Housing Authority meetings. And these will be held in a hybrid fashion. And this is for Thursday, November 17th, 2022. Um, so can we have a roll call vote, please? Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Present. Councilmember Kelly. Here. Councilmember Nestandi. Here. Councilmember Quintanilla. Present. Mayor Harnick. Here. All councils present. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll now have the Pledge of Allegiance, followed by an uh, inspiration, the Pledge of Allegiance, is by Councilmember Quintanilla. Invocation by Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Please stand if you are able. So if I'm not mistaken, I think this is our last council meeting before Thanksgiving. So it's appropriate, of course, to pause and give thanks. We are so fortunate to live in this amazing community. Yes, we have disagreements occasionally, like any family. But by and large, we are a kind and generous community, one that treats each other with respect and doesn't hesitate to offer help when needed. So let us be aware of and grateful for the abundance of riches that we enjoy here in the city of Palm Desert. And may the next 50 years bring even more joy and health to all of us. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, is there a report from closed session? Yes, there, yes, there is. Um, with reference to the closed session agenda, the um, item number two with respect to the leases at Parkview, the council gave direction that, that staff go forward and execute those leases. On number three, with respect to the Seritage property at the mall, uh, council gave direction to go forward with a purchase agreement on that property. And with re reference to the other items, direction was given, but no reportable actions were taken. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'll now move to awards, presentation, and appointments. And I am going to tell everyone now we have a lot of awards and presentations today. So this is the good news of the city.
We will start with Rosie Casals, please. However you want to. Okay. Okay. So it's good to see you. It's been a while. So I'm going to read uh, the proclamation, and because most of you, I'm sure, know Rosie, uh, there is no shortage of accomplishments. So this is. Is that a good pun? <laughs> well, it's okay, but not that great. <laughs> okay. And it says, whereas Rosemary, or Rosie Casals, nicknamed Rosebud by her fans and General by her peers, was inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame in 1996, and then in 2021 was again inducted as a member of the history-making Original Nine, the first ever group to be inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame. And whereas known for her grit, power, and rebellious nature, Rosie was determined to create a better future for women in the sport of tennis. And in 1970, with eight other women, signed a $1 contract for a 10-week tour launching the first women's professional Virginia Slims tour. And Rosie won that first tournament. And whereas Rosie is recognized and celebrated for her achievements in double play with 112 professional doubles titles and for having forged a partnership with Billie Jean King that slanted doubles competition in their direction for nine years, notably as five times Wimbledon doubles champion and as the only doubles team in history to win U.S. titles on all three surfaces. And whereas Rosie's tenacity and leadership was again demonstrated in 1973 as one of the founders of the Women's Tennis Association, continuing the fight for women to receive equal prize money and respect in the sport of tennis. And whereas as a color, color commentator with Howard Cosell in the 1973 Battle of the Sexes between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs, Rosie contributed respectful and accurate commentary during the most viewed match in history in the United States and across the world, I remember it well. Whereas Rosie, the daughter of parents who immigrated to the United States from El Salvador, overcame economic and life circumstances, using them to fuel her tennis game and achievements, and still today with boundless energy and belief, she continues to create local and global impact, establishing the Latin American Tennis Foundation and Love of Tennis Foundation, supporting underserved Coachella Valley youth. And whereas Rosie Casals, as a Palm Desert resident and distinguished figure in the tennis world, is appreciated and celebrated always for her contributions and accomplishments. Therefore, I, Jancy Harnick, Mayor of the City of Palm Desert, California, along with the entire City Council, do hereby proclaim Thursday, and we're a little late, but that's okay, we can celebrate the whole time, October 13th as Rosemary Rosie Casals Day in the city of Palm Desert and urge all residents to join me in extending our congratulation and appreciation for her dedicated service to our community. See what's wrong? That's longer than your agenda today. Well, well, I don't know about you, that. And thank you, I'm so happy to see you. And you know, I, you. I know that it's important to Karina to take a picture with you. I don't. Have you, I would love that. Can you we? You know, because uh, she is uh, Latina, 
and we stick together, the women are doing very well governing here. I like that. Many Thank congratulations. You. Thank you. You are a treasure and an inspiration. Oh, this is beautiful. Let's take a look. Is that allowed? Sorry, no. sorry, council members. We're doing something. I'm so sorry. That was a long, that was a long oh, that was, was time. Thank you. Thank I want to take copies. Thank you. They'll be friends. Would you like to say some words? Well, I will. I'm sorry to keep everybody, but this is certainly a great honor to be here, and this is a lovely place. I don't know, maybe is that seat taken over there at the end? I might want to look at that. But anyway, it, it is a great honor to be recognized here um, in your own community for what you do. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, I'm one of the pioneers and trailblazers for women and equal rights and all of the things that make women so special. And I'm happy to see Karina, who won a council uh, seat. And I know that you have been here for a while, and I hope you continue to be. But I'd like to see women govern. And, um, you know, maybe we'll see them at the White House. I don't know. But thank you for making me a part of today's trailblazers. Thank you, and of course, we'll see you at the White House. <laughs> okay, uh, Tammy Martin, please come up and join me. This is another long one, and for all the same very good reasons. This uh, is for Buford Kreitz, and many of you know uh, Buford was uh, a mayor and a city council member here for a long time and made a huge impact at our city, the Coachella Valley, and all you have to do is look up at our mountains and you can always think of him and thank him. So, ready? Whereas, Buford Kreitz served on the Palm Desert City Council from 1986 to 2006. And whereas Buford Kreitz passionate advocacy for the environment, water conservation, air quality, energy conservation, and efficiency, led him to a position as chair of CBEG's Energy and Environmental Resources Committee for 14 years to assure that air quality issues in the Coachella Valley were given attention and funding from AQMD. And whereas as board consultant for the South Coast Air Quality Management District and liaison for CBEG, Buford actively supported funding for air quality issues, including the CBEG Regional PM10 Street Sweeping Program, and whereas Buford advocated for the Coachella Valley with respect to the environmental and energy issues at the local, state, and national levels. In January 2004, testified before the U.S. House of Representatives Committee on Energy and Committees, there's a lot, and Commerce's, <laughs> and Commerce's Subcommittee on Energy and Air Quality in support of the Salton Sea and regional air quality. And whereas Buford was significant supporter of the Coachella Valley Multiple Species Habitat Conservation Plan, a visionary regional plan for long-term protection of natural open space and wildlife habitat balanced with responsible growth. And whereas Buford has been a passionate advocate for wildlife and habitat conservation and served as chair of Santa Rosa and San Jacinto Mountains National Scenic Area, which was a predecessor of the National Monument. 
Advisory Council played a leading role in the establishment of Santa Rosa and San, San Jacinto National Monument, and whereas Buford is a founding member of the Friends of the Desert Mountain, a nonprofit partner for the Coachella Valley Conservation Commission, working to preserve the beauty and integrity of our mountain, framing the Coachella Valley. Now, therefore, I, Chancy Harnick, Mayor of the City of Palm Desert, California, along with the entire City Council, with sincere appreciation, do hereby recognize Buford Price and urge all citizens to join me in extending our congratulations and appreciation for his dedicated service to our community. We have Tammy Martin, who is the Executive Director for Friends of the Desert Mountain here to accept this, and I know that Tammy has a few words to say. So if you don't know by now, um, last Saturday we lost Buford, and uh, Buford played a huge role in our organization. This environment, what he provided to Friends of the Desert Mountains, will not go unnoticed. Um, it's a huge loss to us. I promise I'm not going to cry. <laughs> um, but I want everyone, whether you liked Buford or not, he has done a lot for our community and for this environment. So please appreciate at this moment what he has done for us. And we continue on with his legacy and continuing to protect these mountains that surround us. Currently, we are in the works of planning a special occasion for Buford. Um, I will let you know it won't be in a church because the ceiling and the walls will probably fall down. That is not Buford. So we are planning, we'll be planning a special hike. We are looking at doing a barbecue and some other things for Buford in his honor. And also, it is my goal to get one of these trails named after Buford. Um, he has protected these trails in this environment for a very long time. So I appreciate everything that the city of Palm Desert has done for Buford and his family. And on behalf of Friends of the Desert Mountains, thank you. Oh. Anthony, please. So those who might not know, this is Anthony Mejia, and he is our city clerk, and we depend on him mightily. And he is here to accept this proclamation, and I'm going to read it quickly. Probably not. Whereas volunteers are the keystone of the Palm Desert community, enriching our town and improving the quality of life. And whereas the city of Palm Desert is especially fortunate to have the services of dedicated, hardworking, and creative individuals who generously serve our city and do so without monetary or other compensation. And whereas the city council of the city of Palm Desert desires to acknowledge these contributions and honor those who have given up their time and talent to benefit their community. And now, therefore, be it resolved that the City Council of the City of Palm Desert does hereby recognize and thank the members of the City of Palm Desert Boards, Committees, and Commissions for their services to the City of Palm Desert and conveys its gratitude for a job exceedingly well done. So thank you. So, on behalf of staff, I just want to 
thank all of the commissioners and, and committee members for their service to the city. It's remarkable and beautiful to see so much of the community's input uh, coming through those commissioners and helping shape the city. Thank you. I would be remiss if I didn't invite you to all submit an application and become a committee or commission member or commissioner. It is what makes our committee great, and they are independent voices that bring back great thoughts and great ideas to the council and to the team here. So uh, it's easy to get on a committee. Or now. Uh, we will invite uh, Raju and Jayshree. Uh, make up, please. Okay. Uh, this is almost one more time, you guys. Whereas El Paseo Jewelers first opened their doors to the Palm Desert community in 1998, and whereas El Paseo Jewelers had steadily embedded themselves in the community through philanthropy, focusing in the areas of health, education, the arts, and services, and whereas they provide patronage to Barbara Sinatra's Children's Charity, College of the Desert, Steve Case Awards, United Way, and many, many other charities by donating jewelry to the auction gift certificates, or financial assistance. And whereas, in addition to the monetary investments they make, Raju and Jay Shreeneka of El Paseo Jewelers give up their time by serving on the boards of the Desert Symphony, Act for MX, and the Living Desert. And whereas not only do they support the aforementioned charities in the community, El Paseo Jewelers hosts the Rick Espinosa Award Dinner every year in order to recognize the Palm Desert Police Officer, one of our Riverside County Sheriffs, that has gone above and beyond the call of duty. Therefore, I, Tansy Harnick, Mayor of the City of Palm Desert, California, along with the entire City Council, do hereby proclaim Thursday, November 7, 2022, as El Paseo Jewelers Day. And would you like to say it? Jay Shree would love to say a few words. <laughs> First, I'd like to say thank you to the city of Palm Desert, all the council members, and John Harnick. This is a city that has embraced us for 25 years. We can't be, I don't have words to say how grateful, thankful, and appreciative we are for how you have made us your family, and we are part of your family. All the things we do in the city here is more of what you have given us. For that, you'll be part of our family for all the years that we are here and more. Thank you. Now, this is where I go back and sit down. We do have a presentation from Angel Force USA. 
Hi, good evening. Thank you for having me here. And I would also, with all of you here, my, my job is to raise awareness about veterans' suicide. Um, and I actually don't want to call it a job. It's my honor to bring this problem to light to you. And thank you all for <laughs> sitting through my comments on this. I think it's going to be an education for all. Um, uh, we, are, um, we have created a word at Angel Force USA to raise awareness. It's called Suicilence, the avoidance of discussion about suicide. And our goal and mission is to stop suicilence. And whenever you speak of veterans' wellness, that you put suicide at the top of the list for the following reasons. Let's see if I can make this work. Pretty simple. Um, we raise awareness through the very uh, old but tried but true um, method of entertaining, engaging, and educating. Uh, it's a very tough topic. Um, the statistics that I'm going to bring to light are very difficult. Overall, um, one U.S. citizen dies every 40 seconds by suicide. And by the way, the preferred vernacular is not to commit suicide or that they committed suicide, but they died by suicide. Um, one veteran an hour dies by suicide. Now that's a light number. Um, and for very good reason, and I'd be happy to, I'm going to bring up another statistic later. But one suicide affects 135 people. That is a statistical fact. That's before you get to the cascading effect of suicide in the generations to come. Um, female veterans die by suicide at two and a half times the rate as male veterans and six times the rate of their civilian counterpart. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in the United States. Um, they have not start, did not start compiling statistics on suicide until after 9-11. So to say that there are, is a long history of uh, gathering statistics would be difficult because it's only been a, a very short period of time. In the time since 9-11, 30,000 veterans and military personnel have died by suicide as compared to over 7,000 who were killed in action or combat. We intend to make the desert communities the center of the discussion about veteran suicide on a national basis by holding our annual summit uh, in the desert every year around Pearl Harbor Day. Just as an aside on that, someone said, why would you do that? Nobody remembers Pearl Harbor. And I said, well, that's precisely now the reason why we will always do it on the never forget war that was supposed to end all wars. This is a list of the people who are supporting us at many levels for the summit. Um, it includes elected officials. I'm here today to ask and hope that, the, uh, that your city too will join as individual members of the council as well as um, uh, utilizing your support in a number of different ways which I'll go into. But this is what we have so far in Orange County and in uh, Riverside County. I wanna say that I think this war against suicide, the conversation is going to be on the shoulders of the local communities. Um, the veterans rely on local support. They don't dial up 800 phone numbers. They go to the local VFW or the American Legion Post uh, and their buddies and friends and families in that area. The burden of the mental health crisis 
in general is going to fall, and I'm sure you already know, on the shoulders of the city because the air game at the state and federal level is slow and tedious to respond. These are a number of our partners on the summit, which will be held between December 5th and the 7th of December. Um, we will be having, uh, we've got the Gold Star Moms. There's two Gold Star Moms organizations in the United States. One does not recognize suicide victims uh, as uh, their families as Gold Star families because they only recognize those who were killed in action. American Gold Star Mothers recognizes suicide families, suicide moms um, uh, of, of children with the invisible wounds of war. I myself am involved in this. My father tried to commit suicide I'm on a number of occasions in my lifetime with him. The president of Gold Star Moms said to me once, she said, I'm not sure my son wouldn't have gone down that same track had he come home alive. Um, many of his battle buddies did. Um, as you can see, La Quinta, Rancho Mirage, and Indio have signed on. Their supportive Rancho Mirage has given us their amphitheater for a veterans free concert, uh, fully staffed, and we invite the public to that as well. Um, that evening, we have, uh, that earlier that day, we have two days of symposiums where we are bringing in special matters experts to discuss their uh, efforts at the community level and also at the discovery level, the, the scientists, the researchers, the clinicians. Uh, we have a Medal of Honor recipient who will be, um, this is our schedule. We have a, a Medal of Honor recipient, David Bellavia, who uh, fought in the Second Battle of Fallujah and was the first living Iraq War veteran to receive the honor. Um, he will be our master of ceremonies through the, through the three days. We have a Never Forget Gala on the 7th. That's the end of our, our two and a half days uh, where we will entertain and again engage and educate those who attend. These are the leaders, our co-chairs, Magali Hosh from Cohen Veterans Bioscience, David Bellavia, our Medal of Honor recipient, the National President of American Gold Star Mothers, Sarah Taylor, and Colonel David Sutherland of the Dixon Center for Military and Veterans Service that impacts over a million veterans a year through their guidance and support of uh, veteran service organizations. Um, uh, this is a little too much, but the community-driven presentations will go from service dogs to work assist worker assistance programs to uh, wellness, you know, different elements of the eight dimensions of wellness. And I hope this is something that you'll remember because this is, gives great guidance to um, any type of uh, programmatic effort. Environment occupation, financial, physical, intellectual, emotional, social, and spiritual. These are the things that have the greatest impact on our veterans when they come home and are at risk, especially. These are our honorees, Sue Groff, who's a part-time resident out here in the desert. Karen Miles, uh, she and General Ken Miles have been pillars of the, uh, of the greater Palm Springs area for a long time and were founders of the Palm Springs Air Museum hangar, the Karen and Ken Miles hangar dedicated to the Vietnam and Korean War uh, conflicts. Jeffrey Skunk Baxter is a 2020 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee. He works closely with the military on electronic, believe it or not. He's with the Doobie Brothers and Steely Dan. He is a major consultant to the Pentagon on, and Department of Defense on electronic defense systems. Very supportive of the uh, veterans community. 
Um, with that, we have recruited a number of musicians to go on the road with us. They, they range from uh, Bob Dylan's uh, violinist to a violinist that's with Etta James and Tony Bennett, Sugar Ray, the only living member of the Doors, uh, Robbie Krieger's keyboardist, uh, Stevie DeStanislaw with Crosby, Stills and Nash, Frank Symes with The Who, and uh, toured with Rolling Stones, and also the musical director for Roger Daltrey. So we have quite the group of, of artists to entertain. Uh, they are great ambassadors for the issue of, of uh, suicide. These are our ticket prices for the gala. We are also engaged in a Stop Suicide campaign where we're getting celebrities to hold up a sign. So we will be uh, building on that as well. Graham Nash, Ronnie Woods, Sir, Sir Rod Stewart, uh, and, and so forth, as you can see. And of course, Billy Crystal, who has um, had a, uh, his dear friend Robin Williams died by suicide. Um, this is our board. And um, with that, I just want to say that with all the darkness on suicide, what we want to do is make sure that everybody sees that there is hope on the horizon. Um, these are difficult numbers to look at. These are different, difficult things to hear. Um, um, women are um, particularly impacted by this. I just want to say a few of the topics that will be available, and I'd like to close by saying the action items for the council and for the public. Um, I challenge you to come to the symposium to learn from the progress and successes and failures of other organizations. I would encourage other uh, I would encourage you to encourage others to attend. We have three free events, the two symposiums and the Veterans Free Concert. Um, I think there will be a lot of information there that will help people um, direct their governance on this topic. We will be addressing issues like bringing humanity into science, the case for baselining statistics, advancing policies for warfighter brains and their brain health, suicide, TBI, and intimate partner violence in women's veterans, um, neuroimaging, the brain for diagnosis, and an interactive panel on what we need based on what we have heard during these two symposiums. This will be an annual event. Uh, we hope that the desert communities will become a symbol for forwarding a very difficult topic. And I really appreciate your time here. I hope you'll let us uh, have your support uh, financially. Uh, in word of mouth and encouraging others to learn about this problem. Thank you for having me here. And if you'd like, I can take questions. I see none. Thank you, Ms. Densmore. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you for having me. Okay, we will next move to our next presentation, and that's the California Department of Insurance. Hello, how are we going? Everybody, just give me one moment. I'm gonna. I thought I would share my screen, but no worries. We just this. So. Uh, go ahead and you can go ahead and share your screen. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Let me move this back then. Just one moment, please. Okay, perfect. I'll keep this short. I know we've had a lot of presentations today. Um, so honorable mayor and city council members, thank you for the opportunity to present information about the state of California Department of Insurance and the California Low Cost Auto Insurance Program. Again, my name is Andrea Valdez and I'm an outreach analyst for the department's community relations and outreach branch. 
So we'll go ahead and get started. So I just want to start off by saying a little brief introduction on the California Department of Insurance. We do not sell insurance. We regulate all lines of insurance, including homeowners, auto, life insurance, and many more. We also regulate that insurance companies, agents, and brokers that sell insurance. And California insurance companies collect over $340 billion in annual premiums, and that's what you and I pay in premiums. Your current elected insurance commissioner, Ricardo Lara, ensures that insurers are solvent, consumer complaints are addressed in a reasonable manner, and insurers and licensees play fairly in the marketplace. Everything we do at CDI is to protect consumers from fraud and abuse. Sorry for the dog in the background, if you can hear that. So another program I do want to share, and this is a big one, I've actually been going out um, in the city of Palm Desert, this area, Riverside County, is our Senior Gateway Portal, which is a one-stop shop for seniors and their caregivers. It's a partnership between many state agencies with uh, topics in one spot. You're going to find information on topics such as avoiding or reporting abuse and neglect, preventing fraud, healthcare information, your rights, and other resources. And that website is seniors.ca.gov. And then we also have the California's low-cost auto insurance program. This was established in 1999 as a program designed uh, to run income-eligible good drivers with liability insurance at affordable rates. Um, to, this is a way to meet California's mandatory auto insurance law, regardless of immigration status. The goal of this program is to reduce the number of uninsured motors in California. Um, the California low-cost auto policy offers the basic minimum liability coverage to drive legally. So if you're asking yourself, how do I qualify? You just have to have a, a valid driver's license. Second, car value has to be under 25,000, not financed with a loan. And the next, you just check your income loan bill. And it's based on the number of people in your household, including all dependents. And lastly, you cannot have a bad driving record for the past three years. If you have more than one point on your record or uh, at fault accident with bodily injury, then you would not qualify. So a complete list of acceptable proof of income is available on our website, but just some examples, the paycheck stub, the 1099, um, any statements, benefits, and if you're currently enrolled in another state program uh, or county program, such as CalFresh, CalWorks, Medi-Cal, you also qualify for the CLC program based on income. So how do you apply? You can go online, uh, mylowcostauto.com. You would take a questionnaire. It's only about seven questions. And next, you would fill out an online application and an agent would be in contact with you. We also have this in English and in Spanish, and we do have that number there as well. The chat is available also Monday through Friday, 8 to 4. So I know you're thinking this is a great program, so I want to share this with, uh, you know, any organization, the city. Here's how you can partner with CDI and the CLCA program. Just help us get the word out. Uh, a lot of people don't know about the Department of Insurance, actually. Um, we have so many great resources online. Um, check out the website. If you ever need information, you can always contact us. Um, we do have our number there. That is our consumer hotline. And then also any questions about CLCA, uh, we can contact that number there. I really appreciate you guys letting me present tonight. Any questions? Thank you so much. Are there any questions? Yes, please. I would like to know if there are any medical restrictions that would prevent somebody from um, obtaining insurance. For the California low cost auto? Yes. Not that I'm aware of, but you definitely want to double check that um, that number there, that 866, because we do have experts, but not that I'm aware of, no. Thank you very much. Are there any other questions or comments? Okay. Thank you so very much for all this information. We appreciate your time today and, and sharing this with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Now, next...
Are you sure? We have um, outgoing comments from Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Thank you, Mayor. So for those of you that are not aware, um, I have served on the city council for eight years, for two terms, and elected not to run for re-election, and tonight is my final meeting. Um, and I really just wanted to say a few words of gratitude, so thank you, Mayor, for giving me that opportunity. Um, I guess first, I'd like to thank the residents uh, of the city of Palm Desert for giving me the opportunity to serve on the Palm Desert City Council these past eight years. It's been an honor and a privilege that I will never forget and forever treasure. It's been a big part of my life. I'd also like to thank um, our public safety officials, the men and women of our fire department, police department, and emergency response. You just have to read or watch the news every day to see that the risk they take is very, very real. Every day they're out there risking their lives, their health, their safety in exchange for ours. And um, I just cannot overstate how grateful we are for everything that you do for our city. And then I have to thank our staff. You know, while the council's role is to set goals and policies, it's up to the staff to implement them and to make real things happen. And boy, let me tell you, do they do that. I've been around long enough to understand and appreciate how fortunate we are. I doubt that a staff as dedicated and passionate and capable as what we have here can be found anywhere else. They are true professionals, they care, and we are the better for them. And finally, I'd like to thank my colleagues, my fellow council members. Well, you've put up with me for eight years, and I know it hasn't always been easy. Please know that I respect each and every one of you. It has been an honor to work alongside you these past eight years. I know that you will continue to do a stellar job, and as a soon-to-be civilian, I look forward to benefiting from all of your future accomplishments. Thank you. Thank you. So you know we're going to have time for some comments from those uh -oh. colleagues. But we did want to present, since you're not going to come back in December, we did want to uh, present you with this to say thank you uh, for your service, dedication, and it says on it, uh, in appreciation for your dedicated service and commitment to the city of Palm Desert and its residents, and you can take this off, and I think you have a five-month-old that can play with that <laughs> all the time. So there you go. Thank you. Thank you, Jan. Okay, comments? I would like to uh, mention that it's been an honor to serve with you. And again, we, 
we aren't agreeing 100%, but that's the nature of humanity, and I, I completely respect you and appreciate the opportunity to learn from you. And at this week's uh, Coachella Valley Association of Governments uh, Homelessness Task Force Committee, there is great praise for you, and, and on behalf of that committee, um, they said that they are very grateful to all of the work that you did and that you really did some of the heavy lifting to bring them to where they are now, so they expressed their, their gratitude, so I want to echo those sentiments and say thank you. Please. Mayor Pro Tem, Jonathan, I cannot thank you enough for all that I have learned from you. And I remember when I was thinking about running for office, <laughs> I called you up. And I think you were a little surprised, but then you, in your busy day, I think it could have even been during tax season, um, you met with me for well over an hour, went over the budget with me, made sure I was aware of of city business and ever since I've been on the council I knew I could pick the phone up anytime and run an issue by you especially the financial ones and it's just I've learned so much from you and you will be missed thank you so much thank you and I see um, council member Kelly's hand is up please yes uh, truly a small percentage of what council members accomplish is immediately visible places uh, like our council meetings. And uh, Savvy, that's particularly true of you because you've been so hardworking in other settings. Our council has been able to be efficient uh, because of our use of subcommittees. And uh, you and I seem to have ended up on many subcommittees together uh, where uh, we've always had fruitful discussion and I believe done some very important work to advance council discussions. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, before your time on council, uh, you served the city for 16 years on planning commission, is that correct? Um, which is twice the time you've been on council. Uh, the planning commission is a very hardworking group uh, that doesn't have the same limelight that the council does. And your 16 years of service on the planning commission uh, reflect your commitment to the city. So it's opportune that tonight we expressed our appreciation uh, to our committee members and commissioners who are so vital to the city uh, for laboring in that venue uh, for that time and your city service. You have our deepest appreciation. So, I'm going to call you Sabby for this moment, okay? Um, I've known Sabby for literally decades. And there are few people I know who are more dedicated to service than Sabby. Even he went to Washington, D.C. to represent us on tax issues. He's done volunteer things above and beyond that most people don't know. And, and when I say ours, I don't mean mine specifically. I mean all of ours as a community, as, as taxpayers. And his years, as was mentioned, on planning commission 
and his years here, it just illustrates his, his true dedication and how much he treasures this community, and it shows his passion for the community. And when I found that he wasn't going to run again, I knew that that was because there's only one thing that he has more passion for, more dedication for, and treasures more than his service, and that's his family. And so I wish you the very best and just wonderful moments with your family and with your friends, and, and we'll take care of the community, I promise. Good deal. All right. Thank All right. You. Thank you. Now, after that, city manager comments, please. Nothing to report tonight, Mayor. Thank you. Wow. That was enough reporting, huh? Uh, you know, I'd like to do, we still, even though we're hybrid, we should still do those housekeeping remarks. Can we do those at this time if you feel they're necessary? For those on Zoom, if you want to participate in public comment, please click the raise hand button on your computer or smartphone. If you're joining the meeting by calling in on your phone, please dial star 9 on your phone to raise your hand. And when called upon, press star 6 to unmute yourself. Please keep your comments to no more than three minutes and begin by stating your full name. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll move to mayor and council member reports at this time. And why don't we start with council member Kelly? Thank you. Uh, just in case anyone else is confused, that's my empty chair there. <laughs> uh, I have two requests for action. Um, the first concerns a piece of property uh, which is just north of the Jocelyn Center. And when we as a council upon staff's recommendation uh, listed priority uh, properties uh, for processing under the Surplus Lands Act, uh, we did not include that property. Uh, since that decision, uh, the Joslin has made contact uh, with a very well-qualified developer who is interested in collaborating with them to develop affordable housing on that property, which of course is the goal of the Surplus Lands Act. Uh, so my request is for staff to explore uh, any possible ways to elevate of the priority treatment of that property. Um, I don't know what the logistical hurdles are. And you'll be pleased to know I'm not asking for the impossible, uh, just an exploration of what's possible uh, to advance the priority treatment of that parcel. Uh, so I'll just pause to see if uh, colleagues support that uh, use of staff time. I support. Yes. 
Seems that you have a majority. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the, the second request uh, floats from emails that all of us received this week. Uh, we heard from some prompt as a residence in market rate rental housing about very, very sizable percentage increases. And some brief research uh, revealed to me that the relevant property uh, is uh, about 12 years old, which is just shy of the 15-year age at which a state rent control clicks in. Uh, so I know staff has undertaken uh, some research to find out if neighboring cities are encountering, encountering any problem uh, with substantial increases uh, under these circumstances. I just want to explicitly ask staff uh, to bring back to us a discussion of alternatives. Uh, that we could look at to try to be of assistance. I, I know local rent control is extremely problematic because it can discourage the very development that reduces demand. Uh, so I'm not necessarily pointing us in that direction. Uh, but it would be great to hear from staff what other cities are experiencing, what they're pursuing. And uh, if there are any options available to us, which might simply include some advocacy at the state level. Um, so I'll pause to see if that's of interest to others. I support. I, um, I, I have a question. Um, Councilmember Council Kelly, you mentioned this is a market rate rental property, is that correct, privately held? Yes. So my question is, maybe it's the legal counsel, do we even have any jurisdiction over privately held property that's at market rate? Potentially. Uh, the situation is somewhat complex. Um, as Council Member Kelly noted, the state has a rate stabilization program that's got like a a 15-year window on it. Uh, there's also other restrictions that I know date back to like the 90s that basically prohibited rent control the properties that were developed subsequently. I'm not sure, given what's happened over the last couple years, exactly what the situation is right. now, but we'll certainly look into it in conjunction with the, the request made this evening. Well, <laughs> just, just to clarify, uh, I'm asking uh, for us to be educated uh, further in response to your question so that as residents raise these concerns, uh, we know what the, what the landscape is. And so is your request not specific to an individual property, but just, as you said, a matter of generally educating the council on the Correct. topic? Okay. Correct. Okay, that I can support. Thank you. It's, there's a majority on that. Thank you. 
Thank you. Uh, is there anything else? I mean, you're on a roll. <laughs> oh, I'll quit. Okay. Okay. Uh, Councilmember Quintanilla, please. Thank you very much, Madam Mayor. I had the opportunity to attend two meetings that had um, a lot of substance. One of them was the CVAG public safety meeting, and there was a discussion on the valley-wide um, issue of street racing and what they call sideshows, the donuts in the intersection and other dangerous behavior. So I encourage all of our residents to see something, say something, so that we may know where problems may arise. And uh, I commend in particular one of our residents, Ms. Holly Hayes, that wrote in about a, an area Area where we should be um, focusing. And in the Homelessness Committee, in addition to the praise for our Mayor Pro Tem, there was um, discussions about the pooling of funding that's available regionally and through the state, and the, the funding structure is changing, but they will be giving out triple amounts of the funding that was originally discussed. So that affects everyone here. And the County Riverside has started a campaign called the Faces of Fentanyl to dispel the myths of who is impacted. So for resources and um, information, facesoffentanil.net and um, uh, museum, the Children's Museum of the, of the Desert is having the El Paseo Wine event with an Eagles and Linda Ronstant cover band so that sounds like a lot of fun and um, I will be moderating a panel for the Salton Sea Community Forum Saturday, December 3rd at UCR Palm Desert from 1 to 6 and uh, it'll be, uh, my panel will be on the health impacts and in particular I think this is something that affects all of our residents they will have a DIY presentation on how to make your own home filter, your own home filtration system uh, with the cost of approximately $60. So you're not bound to only buying that company that you bought your filter from in case they go out of business. So as uh, air quality becomes an issue, I think that this is something that we all need to be aware of. And I do have a request. Um, one of them combines the public safety and the homelessness issue and also touches on one of our agenda items. Um, and that would be to explore if we can use any funding from our um, camera program to increase, increase the signage as a deterrent and notification for um, residents and visitors that there are cameras in use and hopefully that will assist law enforcement in, in their investigations. But again, that has the public safety implications to help reduce the, um, the dangerous driving. And um, the other component with public safety is that um, the use of mylar balloons continues to be an issue, in particular during the summer, so that can lead to, to um, power outages, and that's something that impacts us all. So my requests, I hope that my colleagues can support, would be one to um, revise the language for park permits that prevent the use of mylar balloons so that they are not as likely to, to um, fly away. And uh, the second request would be to explore um, funding for additional signage that would support public safety. May I have support or may I inquire about the Mylar issue first? Uh, are you saying ban all Mylar balloons? I didn't quite understand. Yes, the banning of, of Mylar balloons in our parks so that if there are events that are scheduled that we can discourage people by saying if you're going to use, if you're going to have an event and you're going to organize, please ensure that you do not use Mylar balloons. We have a lot of very fabulous um, arrangements that are now available that are still festive and fun that are not based in Mylar. And there is a state law that's coming down, but I think that that won't be available or in effect for another five years or so. But we have the opportunity as green vanguards to take a lead and be sure that we don't have a, a contribution in power outages. Well, in my opinion, I think this would be a good issue for the Environmental Resources Committee to, to uh, delve into so we get more information. 
I think that's a, let's refer it to the, I think that's a great idea. Is, is that acceptable? Yes, thank you. And, oh, and the second request to direct staff to explore if we can redirect funding um, for additional signage out of um, some of the underused funds from the um, security camera program. And, and I, I have a question on that. Do, when you talk about that, because we do have the license plate readers, and we also have the security camera program. So are you talking for both of those? Yes, and it would supplement just with additional signage. Some of the cities mentioned that they have prominently placed signs that let people know as they drive into those cities that there are cameras in use. And um, also allowing businesses, for example, to post um, that they do have security cameras because we get, um, we get emails from residents that say, I was at XY location and I observed ABC. And in order to mitigate that to be be able to let our visitors know there are cameras in use and hopefully that would be a deterrent to vandalism and or crime. Well, that seems, go. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no problem, you know, exploring it, which is what you want to do. You're certainly not asking for a decision tonight. You're asking for information to explore it. Uh, but along uh, Council Member Nestandy's suggestion, we have a very good and active Public Safety Commission. I don't know if you want to run it by them first, have them explore and make a recommendation to Council, or if you want to bring it straight to Council. I, I don't know if, if it makes sense to use our commission. I, I believe that that's something that, since we already have um, something related to that on the agenda, I won't address it because we're not at that point yet. But as we have discussed before, that our requests should come during this section, during our council member comments and requests. So um, my understanding is that there is funding that's available. So I, I believe that it's not a substantial ask um, for signage. Okay. Any comment? Oh, I see a hand up. Uh, yes, Councilmember Quintanilla, I wonder if we could simply broaden uh, the request to inquire about uh, any suitable sources of funds for, for the signage uh, so that it's not limited to diverting uh, from the camera funding itself if staff determines that retaining funds uh, for camera support is a good thing. Uh, does that make sense? Just broaden the inquiry uh, to include other possible sources. Absolutely, that's a great suggestion. And I, I would like to see the sheriff's input factored into this. I think that would be important to have that understanding. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, and that's what, okay. So we'll move forward with that as well. Thank you. Okay, um, Council Member Nestandi, please. No comments, your mayor, thank you. <laughs> the mayor pro tem, Jonathan. Ditto. But you're gonna tell us about your night at the living desert, but okay. Uh, a couple of things, and this is actually um, kind of ties in what Council Member Kelly said. I was uh, able to welcome uh, a lot of members of Southern California to the Southern California Association of Governments Housing Forum and a lot of information on the rental ask that we're seeing right now. And uh, in the last couple of years, the highest rates have been in Orange County and Riverside County. Those are our highest increases. So it is something we can look at and see if there are uh, options and solutions. We certainly should explore everything. Uh, the, the city did a great job at Veterans Day. I want to thank um, Vanessa 
Mager for the great job she did putting that together. Uh, there were a lot of veterans there, a lot of people who understood the importance of those veterans, and it was a very meaningful day. And coincidentally, while we were there, we had a flyover from the Air Museum, or did you plan that too? Perfect, okay, thank you. Uh, and it was, it was a great day. And also National Philanthropy Day, it was wonderful to see so many community members from Palm Desert being honored at National Philanthropy Day. And lots more, because we're always in meetings at CBEP. We had another, at Coachella Valley Economic Partnership, we had another presentation on the CV Rail Project, and that's very promising and exciting, and uh, let's hope we get to see it you know, within 10 years or so. It'll take a while, but it's on its way. Um, at this point, I, we are moving to non-agenda public comments. I want to remind my colleagues, if someone needs a break, please feel free. Please let me know if we need to take a quick break. So we'll move to non-agenda public comments. This time has been set aside for the public to address the City Council on issues that are not on the agenda for up to three minutes. Speakers may attend in person or utilize one of the three options listed on the last page of the agenda. Because the Brown Act does not allow the City Council to act on items not listed on the agenda, members may briefly respond or refer the matter to staff for a report and recommendation at a future meeting. So I do have um, a few cards, a couple cards here. Uh, we'll start with uh, Wendy Jonathan. And we want your name, we want your address. <laughs> Hi, I'm Wendy Jonathan, a former school board member for Desert Sands Unified School District. My, you want my address for me to say it here? No, that's okay. Loma Vista. We can find <laughs> Palm you. Desert. Um, I just wanted to take a moment, even though I am no longer on the school board, I re uh, resigned earlier this year, but I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to um, Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan, because you've been a real advocate for education. Um, you've always uh, made a point of visiting all the schools. Um, every year that you've been uh, on the board, you've gone to special events at those schools as well. And not only that, I'm sure some people aren't aware of it, but you also have served on the School Building Corporation for Desert Sands, not as a, uh, as a councilman, that's something that you've done on your own. Um, so you've really made an impact on our students in the Coachella Valley, and I just want to say thank you for everything you've done. Hey, thank you. In all fairness, Mayor, I have to point out that this entire council in this city has been very supportive of education. I've had the privilege of being part of that, but I'm certainly not the only one. Thank you. <laughs> okay, thank you. And the next is um, Lori and Arthur Pritz. And we welcome up to three minutes of comments, please. And this is for a non-agenda item. Um, Council Member Kelly has addressed the issue that we were going to speak about, the rent uh, increase problems, and so uh, I don't think we have to speak about it. Look how effective you were tonight. <laughs> okay, thank you. Well, we will follow up with you on this. So thank you very much, and uh, I look forward to hearing from you. And just in particular, we are at the vineyards, um, the complex there, uh, just to further on what she was saying, but it is particular interest. Thank you. Thank you. 
Okay, that is all of the non-agendized comments or public comments. We will move to the consent calendar. All matters listed on the consent calendar are considered routine and may be approved by one motion. The public may comment on any items on the consent agenda within the three-minute time limit. Individual items may be removed by the City Council for a separate discussion. Is there anyone who would like to pull an item from the consent? I motion to advance approval of the consent calendar. Okay, we have a move to approve. Second. And we have a second. May we have a roll call vote, please? Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. I'm sorry, Councilmember Kelly? Yes. Thank you. Uh, Councilmember Nistani? Yes. Councilmember Quintanilla? Aye. Mayor Harnick? Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Okay. In, in an abundance of caution, I think this would be a fine time for a short break. I was about to request one. I so. thought you might be. Uh, what, uh, how long uh, would be appropriate for you? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. We'll be back in ten minutes. Okay, good evening. <clears throat> and we are back. And thank you for everyone's patience. We'll now move to the consent calendar. And we'll go to uh, A, which is award a five-year contract to the Christmas Kings for seasonal lighting and decor in an amount not to exceed 370000 project number 775-24. Good evening, Honorable Mayor, uh, members of City Council, Randy Chavez, Community Services Manager. And you have uh, the staff report before you. I'll be happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Are there any questions? There are no questions. Okay. Are there, is there any public comment at this time on this item? This is so easy. Okay. And we have Madam a motion. Mayor. I motion to approve the five-year contract. I'm, to I'm sorry. I just wanted to note for the record that there's no one online okay. that wants to participate. Thank you. I uh -huh. forget we're hybrid. I appreciate the reminder. Thank you. Okay, so I will entertain a motion at this time. I move to approve the five-year contract to Christmas Kings. Okay, is there a second? I'll second the motion. Thank you. Can we have a roll call vote, please? Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan? Aye. Councilmember Kelly? Councilmember Nistandi? Yes. Councilmember Quintanilla? Aye. Mayor Harnick? Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Thank you so much. B, introduce an ordinance of the City Council of the City of Palm Desert, California, amending specified chapters of the Palm Desert Municipal Code to adopt the 2022 editions of the California Code of Regulations, Title 24, and related codes with selected appendices and amendments. This will be the first reading. Good evening, Madam Mayor, City Council. I'm Jason Finley, your Chief Building Official. Tonight, I bring forward an ordinance to adopt and amend the 2022 California Model Codes. The California Building and Standards Commission is responsible for the enactment, maintenance, and distribution of our California Model Codes, which governs construction, building uses, maintenance of all California buildings. Every three years, this commission reviews, adopts, and publishes these codes in response to new construction technology, updating energy efficiencies, updating water conservation practices, and updating California's Green Building Sustainable Construction Code, which regulates construction material recycling, interior building environmental health, and electric vehicle charging. 
Our city adopts these regulations, however, it's necessary to amend certain sections of the code to fit with Palm Desert's best practices. These include local fire code amendments recommended by our fire marshal's office, aligning our permit requirements with the Palm Desert Municipal Code and zoning ordinances, and utilizing the city permit fee schedule rather than the state uh, implied in the codes. And it streamlines some of our permitting processes, such as solar and EV charging. These amendments directly support our building and fire officials, our building and fire inspectors, plans examiners, as well as our planning and public works teams. And it's a necessary resource for the applicability and enforcement of minimum life, health, and safety standards of buildings in Palm Desert. Staff recommends approval to move forward with the public hearing in December with anticipation of adoption of January 2023. I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much. I first would like to check if there's any public comment on this item. Not online, Madam Mayor. Thank you. And are there any questions of Mr. Finley? No, no, Mayor. Seeing none, I will entertain a motion, please. I will make a motion to approve. Thank you. Staff recommendation. I second. Right. Can we have a roll call vote, please? Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Oh, I meant to jump in there. Can I make a very quick comment? Yes, I wish you would. Really quick. I, I just want to say this is, you know, these regulations cause a lot of headaches for a lot of people, but at the end of the day, they're so important, and I, I think they differentiate our community and our country from so many other places that don't follow these regulations and have these particularly safety codes when it comes to electrical and structural and everything else that goes into the structures that we inhabit. And, you know, when tragedy strikes in other countries, whether it's, you know, it can be fire that spreads like it wouldn't over here, uh, whether it's in response to a natural disaster, I just, I'm often reminded that we should not take for granted how high we set the bar and how safe that keeps us. So thank you for complying with these requirements for, as an exception and a change, I actually think the, you know, regulation is good in this instance. So thank you. Sorry, Mayor. Oh, that's okay. I, I agree. Uh, can we have a roll call vote, please? Mayor Pertum, Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. Uh, I'm going to record that as a yes, but I just want to let you know we're not able to hear you. Um, Councilmember Nistani? Yes. You know, I, think I just heard you, Kathleen. <clears throat> it seems like there, from when you unmute, there is a delay, a slight delay before you, we can hear you. Councilmember Quintanilla? Aye. Mayor Harnick? Yes. Motion passes 5 to 0. Thank you so much. Okay, we'll go to see approval of the electronic option or short-term rental transient occupancy taxes. I think it's of... And do we have Good evening, Mayor, Count <laughs> Richard Canoni, Director of Development Services. Uh, just briefly on this item, if you recall last month, uh, we approved a, a new contract for our short-term rental program. And a component of that was to offer uh, online payments for uh, the remittance of, of the monthly TOT payments for those short-term rentals. As we were building out the, the, um, those online portals uh, and looking at the policy that, that's included uh, with the staff report, uh, part of that policy was to not allow for TOT uh, payments online uh, with, um, or um, uh, passing on those convenience fees to the, um, the short-term rental owners. Um, but they're in that policy. Uh, if we wanted to do that, it required council action, and that is the item that's uh, in front of you tonight. I, I do want to clarify that um, this does not increase the, the contract amount with, with Deckert Technologies. Um, the third-party vendor is, is Stripe. Um, that's uh, a vendor that we currently use now even for our track it system for the uh, online. 
Thank you. Were there any public comments on this item? No. Thank you. Are there any questions of Mr. Canoni? I'll entertain a motion, please. I'll make a motion to approve. I think Thank doing you. electronic option is the way to go. Perfect. Is there a second? I second. Great. We have a motion and a second. Can we have a roll call vote, please? Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. E. Councilmember Nistandy. Yes. Councilmember Quintanilla. Aye. Mayor Harnick. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Thank you so much. Approve a housing agreement by and between the City of Palm Desert and Palm Desert Pacific Associates LP for the Vitalia Apartment Project located off Gerald Ford Drive, Palm Desert. We will hear from Jessica Gonzalez. Yes. Good evening, Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council. Um, before you, you have, oops, there we go. Um, this is related to the Vitalia Apartments project. Um, as you can see, Gerald Ford, it's between Gerald Ford Drive and Portola. Um, the construction of this project is going to provide 269 units. And out of those 269, there was a condition of approval. The recommendation of staff will allow the developer of Vitalia Apartments to satisfy the requirement of the affordable housing condition to the project. The housing agreement before you to be considered for approval um, essentially restricts 24 units of the 269 units to be provided to households not exceeding 80% of the area median income for the county of Riverside. The affordable restrictions um, and the housing agreement will be between the city of Palm Desert and the developer, um, which is a limited partnership, Palm Desert Pacific Associates. Staff is available for any questions. Thank you so much. Are there any public comments on this item? No, Madam Mayor. Thank you so much. Are there any questions of staff? I do have a question, Madam Mayor. Please. Um, given that we've had the conversation of affordable housing before since the inception of the meeting, in an ideal world where there are no restrictions and no limitations, when would um, residents be able to potentially apply for housing in this location? And what, what's the time frame we're looking at? Um, for this community, they are. Um, <clears throat> we are looking at trying to close escrow where we would be, um, where the developer would be acquiring the property from the successor agency. Um, and my understanding is they are almost ready for to pull permits. Um, more than likely, we will close and have all that in line by next month, for no later than the middle of next month. Um, and then probably, I would say, about 18 months from there is the expected time. And, and so the residents would be able to apply in 18 months, or do they have to be on the wait list or um, have their name already in um, on our radar prior to those 18 months? We have um, timelines with regards to this project. And if I could ask if Darren Barbarian, um, representative of the developer, could be elevated, he could probably give me a more accurate timeline so that I can have that information. Thank you. He is on Zoom. Hello, could everybody hear me? Yes. 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 Okay. Um, so yeah, so uh, that's actually a, a two-year build. Uh, we will be starting construction very soon after we close next month. Um, it will be we will what we'll do is we start an interest list about six to eight months prior to completion, and then in collaboration with the city and our property management company, people will be able to apply roughly around the four to six month from completion. So we're looking at a 
late 2024, early 2025 of when they'll actually be leasing and actually uh, be moving into these units. Thank you. Thank you so much. Are there any other questions, comments? Okay, I'll entertain a motion. A motion to approve. There's a second. I'll second the motion. Thank you. Can we have a roll call vote, please? Mayor Proton Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. Uh, Councilmember Nisandi. Yes. Councilmember Quintanilla. Aye. Mayor Harnick. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Thank you so much. Uh, we will now go to E, adopt a resolution of the board of the Palm Desert Housing Authority, one authorizing the execution and delivery of a loan agreement <clears throat> between the authority and Palm Desert Pacific Associates approving a loan in the amount of $6,030,000, excuse me, from the authority's low and moderate income housing asset fund to fund the purchase by Palm Desert Pacific Associates of a property in construction of 269 multifamily housing units and two taking related actions, parenthetically, housing authority. Um, <laughs> I imagine that is Jessica Gonzalez again. Yes. Uh, good evening, honorable chairman, members of the authority board, Jessica Gonzalez, housing manager. Um, before you, um, you have the, the Vitalia, um, Apartments loan agreement for consideration. On August 28, 2021, the Housing Authority Board conditionally authorized and approved the loan commitment to Palm Desert Pacific Associates in the amount of $6,030,000 from the Authority's Low and Moderate Income Housing Asset Fund. The loan commitment was provided for the purpose of land acquisition cost and as well as construction cost. The purpose of the financing was to be able to have a developed 100% uh, affordable multifamily apartment complex uh, project that will consist of 269 units, which entail 266 units to be affordable and three on, with three on-site property management units. Concurrently with that approval, the Authority Board authorized specific associates to submit an application to SIDLAC and TCAC for tax bonds federal tax credits, and state tax credits. The authorization provided a two option, two um, submittal applications um, to, the, um, to receive these, this allocation funding. Although not successful in their first round of submittal, they were successful in the second submittal, which they received that allocation award in June um, notice, and they must complete um, and pull uh, permits by December 12th, I believe, um, of this year. In addition, the property that the project is to be built is part of, uh, is owned by the SARDA, um, which is our successor agency to the Palm Desert former redevelopment agency, um, and is required to actually um, sell by the end of December 31st of this year. Um, to effectuate the commitment that the authority provided in funding um, originally, the staff, once receiving um, allocation confirmation from the state, we proceeded to negotiate and the loan agreement, as well as all the ancillary documents provided, are part of that negotiation, are a result of that negotiation. Uh, two items to, uh, that I do want to identify as modifications from the original commitment was the initial term of um, during the commitment um, loan 
that was made, the conditional commitment, it required two years for closing of construction um, due to um, the lenders, the primary lenders that are we, the housing authority would be subordinate. They have requested for that to be extended to a three-year term, being that they have completed and started their process um, Last year, we find that that timing is still reasonable within a five-year term that we had, staff had been asked to ensure commitment um, of construction for these projects once allocation was received. The second item is the affordability breakdown. Being that there are uh, several components to the affordability restrictions that are being imposed into this project, one being the density bonus, second are restrictions from the housing asset fund and those from the state tax uh, bonds, we are um, actually, there was a modification where the housing asset fund would now be um, restricting the units, uh, 81 units to extremely low versus what we had before. Although the entire community will be 100% affordable and will not exceed um, providing housing to households uh, greater than 80% area median income for the county Riverside. So before you, um, you have the request to um, authorize and approve not going. There it is. Um, um, so just as an overall, um, the benefit of supporting and providing this loan will provide 100% um, housing to be operated for, and I apologize, that is an error. It's 55 years, not 57 from the time of completion of certificate of occupancy. Um, the project will serve residents with the highest need, which our um, loan will provide um, 81 units at extremely low. And the uh, other affordability restrictions will be imposed as follows with 81 units for the housing authority, 101 un five units under the SIDLAC restrictions and 24 units under the city density bonus. Um, this meets our arena and I'm happy to answer any questions. Okay, thank you very much. We'll uh, first check to see if there are any public comments. No public comment. Thank you very much. Are there any questions for staff? I see none. Comments? Other than yay? Uh, okay, I'll entertain a motion. I motion to approve. I'll second the motion. Okay, we have a motion and a second. May we have a roll call vote, please? Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan? Aye. Councilmember Kelly? Yes. Councilmember Niscandi? Yes. Councilmember Quintanilla? Aye. Mayor Harnick? Yes. Motion passes 5 to 0. Thank you so much. We'll go to F, approve a second amendment to the disposition and development agreement between the City of Palm Desert and Desert Wave Ventures, LLC, and taking certain other necessarily necessary related actions. And I do have speaker cards on this. So we'll start with David Hiltz. Please provide your name and address, and we welcome up to three minutes of comments. Good evening, and thank you for this time to speak with you about this great project. My name is David Hiltz. I've been a resident in Palm Desert for 14 years. I've spoke to you on this before, <laughs> and I've been supporting it the whole time. I think it's been over two years. Um, so I'm super excited about this project going forward. Um, the, the, way, the reason I'm here tonight is because I started a nonprofit surf club, because when I heard about all of these wave pools coming to the desert, 
I had this idea, I had this vision. I go, wow, a bunch of kids in the desert never surfed before. How cool would that be to get them into surfing? So I started this nonprofit to raise money for equipment, get them, you know, get them down to the beach, make them lunch, whatever they needed. And now Doug with his with his uh, with his fellow uh, members of his team have promised us that they're going to give time to our schools and our kids to use this wave pool, and I fully support this. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, uh, we have Greg Ackerman is your name and address, and we welcome three minutes, up to three minutes of comment. Thank you. Greg Ackerman, also a longtime resident of Palm Desert. In light of the dire water shortage throughout Palm Desert, Southern California, and the Southwest, I urge the council to vote no on any further consideration for the desert surf development. I have three areas of concern. First, the concept of a net zero water usage is, in my opinion, simply a fiction. The, the developers are selling the concept that improving the water usage at neighboring Willow Springs Golf Course will offset the water used at, at the surf park. This is not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. The water being saved at the golf course is recycled water, while the surf park water will be our more precious, potable, drinkable water. While the volume of water might be the same, the value of that water is strikingly different and should not be considered a net zero comparison. Second, the residents of Palm Desert are being told to conserve water in any way possible. They are not being told to then waste an amount of water equal to that savings across the street. The Palm Desert Council has been presented a golden opportunity to reduce water usage at Willow Springs Golf Course by 24 million gallons of water a year, and thus lead by example towards water conservation in the area. Instead, the council is now poised to approve a project that simply takes that water savings and pours it into an empty lagoon across the street. This is merely transferring the volume of water wasted at Willow Springs to a different location and must not be confused with actual water conservation. Third, the staff report states that the city will be investing $26.45 million with an expected return of $26.9 million spread over 20 years. By my math, that's an annual return on investment of only 1.7%. That small profit is quickly turned into a negative number with any expected level of inflation factored in. Surely our city can find a better investment for $26.45 million of taxpayer money. So please vote no on the surf park in order to truly conserve our water, lead by example, and be better stewards of our taxpayer money. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Our next speaker is John O'Hee. Do I have that right? O'Hee? O'Hee? Good evening, Madam Mayor, Council Members. My name is John O'Hay. My address is 74478 Highway 111, number 334. I've lived in Palm Desert since 1983. Um, I served on the Desert Sheriff Search and Rescue for several years in the 90s. 
in the Palm Desert Station. I was a business owner. I owned and operated John Wayne Signs from 1987 until 2017. I recognize some faces on the council and uh, among the staff from my tenure there. And I'm here to speak as an enthusiastic supporter of Desert Surf. Uh, I've been surfing since I was 13 years old. And that's, that's about 20 years ago. <laughs> and uh, I, I now spend a lot of time and money going to Central America during the summers to surf. And the thought that I could spend that money here at home is very appealing to me. And I will tell you, without exception, when I let people know I'm from this area, their first question to me is, when is the wave pool coming? And we're talking about service from Australia, New Zealand, Europe, uh, Indonesia, South America. They've heard about this thing all over the world. They're all excited about it. And I hear a lot of talk about the water waste. I did some research. Um, according to golfpass.com, we've got nearly 125 golf courses in this valley. And they are a great source of revenue. And they're a destination resort, as is the wave pool. It is a destination resort. It's going to generate an income outside the wave pool, restaurants, hotels, you name it, there's going to be a lot of people coming here specifically for that. A golf course in a desert environment uses an excess of a million gallons of water a day. And not all of that is recycled. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 30% of it's recycled. According, this is according to internet numbers that I've gotten. Um, the wave pool is going to use approximately the amount of water in one year that an 18-hole golf course uses in a month. They've done their work on this thing. I, I, I want to believe the numbers. I, there's people smarter than me who have done the math. I want to believe them. So I'm here saying I want to see this very badly while I'm still able to surf. <laughs> so thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, are there any other public comments? Uh, Madam Mayor, we do have uh, Kristen Gunda. Uh, she could be uh, elevated. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, good evening. I hope y'all can hear me. My yes, name we is can. Kristen Ganda. Okay, good. I am, um, oh, let me tell you, I'm a resident of Palm Desert at 76784F.Circle. Um, I'm currently on a school bus coming home from a field trip with my students, but this was too important for me to not be able to attend. I really wish that I could be there in person, but I'm very grateful that you have the hybrid uh, option available here. Um, the reason that I'm on the school bus right now is because of the gentlemen that are behind Desert Surf. And so I just wanted to give my full support based on what they've done already for our community before they've even built the ground. Um, a few years ago, I sent an email on a whim to John Love uh, with Desert League um, Ventures and just to stab in the dark, like me. I have a high school surf club in the desert, and I see that you're coming. We're excited. Is there any way we can partner together? And it has surpassed my wildest dreams. They are excited to be here. They're excited to give back to the community. I just finished up a beach cleanup that they helped me organize and went through and did all the permitting and paperwork for me so that all I had to do was collect my students and bring them. They're environmentally conscious and aware folks, and they really do believe in supporting our students and giving back to um, the community and even students who are less fortunate. We, I'm out in the east side of the valley, so not even our Palm Desert residents, so just reaching all of our valleys and supporting us. I'm really excited to have them. Thank you. 
Thank and, you. And no other public comment, Madam Mayor. Thank you so much. Uh, okay, we will now ask from who will be providing the staff report. Is it Mr. Seha or? It is. Uh, good evening, Mayor, members of City Council. Eric Seha, Director for Economic Development. Uh, we have a short PowerPoint if that can be brought up, but I just wanted to identify the property again as Desert Surf. It's located at Desert Willow on Parcel B. Uh, there's also an ancillary parcel that's identified for additional parking. If I can remind you to get right into that microphone. Sorry. Uh, I'm in the one seat that doesn't have a microphone, so Martina and I can I know. Get a we're, we're getting back to these old, old things that we used to do. Yes. Um, I wanted to highlight some of the changes. Uh, staff has been meeting with the applicant uh, regarding changes to the uh, disposition development agreement. This project was approved originally in 2019 and then revised earlier this year in January. Uh, modifications to the project have already been proposed to increase the hotel rooms from 92, which the council recently approved in January, to 137. Uh, that is uh, in line with the approvals under the precise plan, the specific plan, um, and those modifications to the design have already been accepted by the Architectural Review Commission. Uh, what has brought this project back to you today is the revision to the Disposition Development Agreement, and there's a couple actions that have now changed. Uh, one, uh, if we can move maybe to the third slide or fourth slide, I think it is. I think this table really highlights the uh, changes to the uh, proposal here. So. Um, the city has anticipated using bond funds for Can I stop you for one quick second? Um, uh, Anthony, is this something that the community should be viewing on the screen? Thank you. All right, thank you. So uh, the city has anticipated using bond funds for public improvements. That remains unchanged in this agreement. What has changed and has increased is a TOT reimbursement that reflects um, an increase in their room costs, but also the additional rooms that they're proposing rather than the 92 rooms. There's also a request to defer their fees. They would actually have a $6 million loan from the city that would re be repaid back to the city annually um, until that's paid off. And now the city contribution has increased uh, nearly $10 million to this project. The TOT reimbursement uh, really only happens so long as the applicant is making those TNT payments to the city. Um, what we've also negotiated through this revised DDA is a performance deed of trust. Essentially, uh, we would still transact this property uh, in the middle of December next month. And uh, if the applicant fails to begin construction in June of next year, now I don't know which one to use. I just don't want to tell you. Um, the performance deed of trust, if they don't begin construction in June of next year, uh, this land would essentially transfer back to the city. Uh, we've also uh, added a water use assurance agreement uh, to the DDA. Uh, based on the water uh, assessment that was done for the project, should they exceed those limitations, they would have to offset that water use elsewhere in the project. Uh, they would have, I think, uh, a set amount of time to actually cure that, um, and they would be reporting that to the city on, I think, a quarterly basis. So uh, we're recommending uh, that we move forward with the revised DDA. The applicant is here as well uh, to answer any questions. Okay, thank you. Uh, are there let's are there any questions for staff or the applicant at this time? Uh, no, I, I've had extensive conversations, and I know some of us have as well, with the developer and staff on this project these last few years. So, no questions. Okay, any questions? I do have a question. Can you please repeat that, Mr. Seha, of how the, um, you said there's a, a water cap in place, and what happens if they exceed? Do we have um, the amount that would be capped, and, and what is the next steps should they exceed it? 
So we do have uh, the maximum threshold that was used uh, through their water supply assessment based on the offsets that they would do as part of the project as well. If they exceed the total maximum water use that's identified there, uh, they report that to the city and they have that set amount of time to cure it. Uh, but what is that amount? I'll have to look through the document real quick. Thanks, I appreciate that. That just, um, I wanted to, to be sure that we get that on record. Are there any other questions? And are, do you have that information, do you think, right here? We do. It's included as part of your attachment uh, to the DDA. I just need to find a page for it. Or perhaps that's something the developer can, can answer. It is in the, it is in your packet. Yes, but I'm trying to find what page number it's in. I, I lost my tab. Uh, Councilmember Quintanilla, uh, Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council, that's 23.8 million gallons. Thank you very much. Are there any other questions? I don't see any. Okay, comments, please. I make a motion to approve. Well, let's, okay. <laughs> let's, I'll, I'll second for okay. purposes of discussion. Okay. Um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, we've, this project has been kicking around for a number of years now, thankfully, because I really don't know of too many other developers that would have had the staying power to see this through. And I so look forward to seeing that shovel in the ground and getting my first surfing lesson. Um, and the city's been behind it for the right reasons. The, you know, the Desert Willow, as we all know, is intended to be an economic driver, and this is a very important piece of that puzzle, and will generate, hopefully, further interest in other hotels and TOT um, uh, generating uh, developments. Uh, but as was said earlier, there's also the impact on the overall economy, because when people come to visit, they spend money here in our community, and that helps our businesses, which in turn helps our residents. Uh, and this will not only bring additional visitors, but in the, in the shoulder seasons and in the summer which is something that is, is exceedingly challenging to do in, in a desert environment. So let me briefly address some of the concerns that were brought up. I, I don't want to do a deep dive because, you know, we're not here to address the project as much as the amendment to the agreement. But I will point out that the TOT sharing, uh, you know, the, the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, it, it's a 40% of, of hotel transient occupant tax and a 60% sharing of residential. And it doesn't go on forever. So, so that's important to, to start with, that the city from day one collects TOT revenue that it never collected before, right? Um, we're not giving it all away. Uh, we're getting a substantial portion of roughly half of it. But there's a, t there's a deadline to that. There's a, a deadline that is the earlier of when, the tw of when $20 million of TOT is collected or 20 years. After that point, after that deadline, the city continues to receive 100% of the TOT generated by this project ad infinitum, as long as the project is in existence. So I think it's very important to understand from an economic driver perspective that this is a game changer, that this is huge, not just for our city, but I think for the Coachella Valley. Um, the thing about water, I have to observe again, I mean, I mean first of all, I think the provision about, that results in net zero water usage is amazing and creative. And I give credit to the staff for pushing that through the goal lines, and I give credit to the developer for being open-minded. At the end of the day, they're surfers. They're very sensitive to the environment. That's been my experience with the developers. And even when we said, by the way, we need to monitor you and impose penalties if you fail, 
which is a very rare requirement, they said, okay. So I think not only have we done something that's very creative in terms of water use, but I often have to remind myself and others that we cannot look at a development's water usage in isolation. And this one, when we do, comes out with an A-plus in my mind. But we have to recognize that undeveloped land in the center of a city that's thriving and being developed, just take a drive anywhere and you'll see sticks you know, going up, it's unrealistic to expect that land, undeveloped land will remain undeveloped. So when we consider a project, it's our responsibility to compare it to other projects that might and likely would go in there. And I think the numbers speak for themselves. If it was another golf course, there'd be even greater water usage, water demand. If it was residential or even more hotels, there'd be greater water usage. So I think when we look at the water aspect of this proposed development, we have to say, number one, that, it, that the water usage was very creatively dealt with, and it will result in net zero water usage. But also, we have to recognize that it can't stand and be judged in isolation. We have to understand that undeveloped land gets developed, and there will be a demand on water. So I think this is the best that we can hope for. So for all those reasons, uh, I support uh, the motion. Thank you. Oh, one last thing, I'm sorry. I want to commend staff again. We, you know, we had concerns. The developer had challenges, and you know, over a number of days, they locked themselves in the room multiple times and knocked it out and figured it out. And I'm, I'm very happy and pleased and proud of our staff and grateful for the developer for coming to an agreement that I think is workable for all parties. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Comments? Uh, my comment is that as I am out and about in the community, I have unfortunately heard a lot of negative feedback and, and saying, why are we doing something that is so water intensive in the desert? And where I understand that there would be a, a greater use of water with, a, with the residential development, we're talking about people that would be Palm Desert residents, not just guests that, that come in. Um, so I, I think that there, there is the need to look at this through the resources that are in use. And um, I... I've seen that I have asked for the evaporation rates and I've seen the reports and I think that that's very optimistic, especially seeing that there are other water parks in the desert, such as one in Saudi Arabia. And in that instance, because they underestimated their evaporation um, reports, they had to pay even more money to bring water from the ocean. And we don't have that luxury should that happen. Given the impacts of, of global uh, climate change and how we are increasing even by one degree Celsius each year, that makes us substantial and catastrophic impact. So I am very concerned about um, the, the idea, um, the idea that it is going to be net zero for a prolonged amount of time. So that is an area of concern for me. Thank you. Uh, Council Member Kelly, please. And we don't hear you. Okay, start over. Now you're, now you, you're registering. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, I didn't want to waste my eloquent contributions. <laughs> um, I fully appreciate the perception uh, that many people have. We've just been told that uh, CPWD is contemplating a reduction in recharging of the aquifer. That's serious. <laughs> Uh, but it's our job uh, to get past first perceptions, thoroughly research topics, and if they are different than they first appear, uh, to help 
inform folks. And there is an ironic way in which this particular project uh, can be a very constructive part of our water management. Right now, we have golf courses using well water drawing from the aquifer who would prefer uh, to use recycled gray water. It would cost them less than tapping into the aquifer. We would prefer to have them doing that. And there's two reasons it's not yet happening. The first is lack of infrastructure uh, to get the recycled water to all of those locations. Uh, CVWT has a multi-year plan to address uh, that lack of infrastructure. Uh, but the second problem is systemic. We're all conserving. And there are few of, fewer of us uh, flushing toilets, et cetera, in the summer when our winter residents aren't here. Uh, the water available for recycling uh, drastically declines. And that's exactly when golf courses need that supply. Uh, this particular project would have a focus on attracting visitors, economic stimulation, and activity in the summer. Yes, initially it would use some drinkable water, but it would be producing more opportunity for recycled water that could then end up with those golf courses and help alleviate the necessity for them to tap into the aquifer. When the essential infrastructure is in place, this project could help us get two uses out of each precious drop of water. Uh, so it can be a constructive part of our water management approach. If it can do that, and it can help stimulate the economy and provide jobs, it's a win-win. Uh, from the very get-go, this project has distinguished itself uh, from others in the Valley that have fallen by the way. It's appropriately scaled. It's much, much smaller than some other proposals. It's open to the public. Uh, the developers from the get-go have shown a commitment to the public good, uh, a commitment to make their resource available uh, to folks who would not be able to pay for it and to stimulate interest in their sport. Uh, so for all of those reasons, I'm pleased that they've hung in there uh, despite the twists and turns of the economy. And I do favor uh, making the amendments as proposed. Thank you. 
Are there any other comments or questions? Okay, I see none. I will entertain a motion. I already well, made right. one. We did that, didn't we? we did okay, can we have a roll call vote, please? However, uh, we do need a second. Yeah, but he, I, sorry. I think I yes. Yeah. Mayor Jonathan? Aye. Councilmember Kelly? Yes. Councilmember Niscandi? Yes. Councilmember Quintanilla? Nay. Mayor Harnick? Yes. Motion passes four to one. Thank you. We'll move to uh, G, which is adopt a resolution approving an extension to the real estate option and purchase and sale agreement and joint escrow instructions between the successor agency to the Palm Desert Redevelopment Agency and Desert Wave Ventures, LLC, for Desert Willow Pad B, parenthetically 14.65 acres, APN 620-420-023, successor agency. Uh, and who will be giving us that report? It looks like Ms. Glickman. Good evening, Honorable Chair and members of the SARTA Board. I'm Deborah Glickman, Management Analyst with the Economic Development Department. The item before you today is a follow-up to the item that just came before you, and um, it relates to the purchase and sale agreement for the Desert Sur property. The purchase and sale agreement was put into place in 2018 and then had a first extension in 2020. The second extension, the amendment, needs to be approved by the County Oversight Board, which happened this morning. The Riverside County Oversight Board unanimously approved the resolution contingent upon the SARTA Board approval tonight. I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Are there any public comments on this item? No, Madam Mayor. Thank you very much. Are there any comments of staff or any questions? I'm sorry. I see none. Are there comments? And if not, I'll entertain a motion. Move for approval of staff recommendation. I will second the motion. We have a motion and a second. Can we have a roll call vote, please? Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. Councilmember Nisandi. Yes. Councilmember Quintanilla. Nay. Mayor Harnick. Yes. Motion passes four to one. Thank you so much. And uh, we will now go to uh, public hearings. And A is consideration to adopt a mitigated negative declaration pursuant to the California Environmental Quality Act and approval of the refuge specific plan and tentative track map 38434 to establish up to 969 residential dwelling units and related improvements on a 106.4 acre parcel located at the southwest corner of Gerald Ford Drive and the extension of Rembrandt Parkway. And that would this be this little baby right here, wouldn't it? <laughs> okay, so Mr. Maloney, will you be giving us our, I'm sure, brief report? <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it brief. Thank you. Uh, good evening, Madam Mayor and honorable members of the City Council. Uh, my name is Nick Maloney with Planning Division. Uh, the refuge project is located on a vacant 106.4 acre infill parcel located on the south side of Gerald Ford Drive, generally between Portola Avenue and Monterey. Uh, as you can see on the screen before you, the surrounding uses of the site are predominantly single-story, single-family residential. Going from the north we, and moving in a clockwise manner, we have the gallery and then the communities of Shepherd Lane, 
the community of GHA Montage, which is currently under construction to the east. Um, and then to the south, we have a single family residential community along Woodward Drive. To the west, there is the uh, Marriott uh, Desert Ridge uh, condo project. Um, and then additionally, this site is owned by the uh, successor to the Palm Desert Redevelopment Agency and is currently uh, under a purchase and sale agreement, which requires the approval of the specific plan and tentative track map. Oh, to reiterate, the project is a request for three uh, entitlements, which include the specific plan request, the environmental assessment, which is required pursuant to the California Environmental Quality Act, as well as the tentative track map. The applicant is Refuge Palm Desert LLC, and the Planning Commission has recommended approval of the project to you tonight. The specific plan will set forth a plan for development for the 106.4 acre area, uh, which is encompassed on the screen before you. It will set forth five planning areas and establish development standards, design guidelines, as well as plans for future infrastructure and uh, circulation. These planning areas include three planning areas for res residential uses and two for open space and will facilitate the development of up to 969 residential dwelling units. The screen before you is an exhibit that was prepared by the applicant showing a preliminary landscape exhibit demonstrating what the future development of the specific plan may look like. As you can see, there is a distribution of continuous pedestrian networks, street trees, which provide connections to a central open space amenity area, as well as a, a passive pedestrian landscape network along the eastern and southern periphery of the site. Uh, that is the planning area five, the central amenity area is planning area four. The environmental assessment that was prepared by the applicant pursuant to the California Environmental Quality Act uh, is for the uh, creation of a mitigated negative declaration. In their analysis, the applicant evaluated impacts on air quality, biological, cultural, and tribal resources, traffic, water supply verification, and determined that with mitigation measures, no significant impacts would occur as a result of the project. The tentative track map will subdivide a 93-acre portion of the refuge specific plan to facilitate the development of one condominium lot for a future residential, 339 single-family residential lots, as well as the lots for the dedication of private open space amenities, retention areas, and vehicular circulation. This exhibit shows that tentative track map which also includes a preliminary grading plan, which will set forth the pad elevations for all of these lots, as well as facilitate the timing for offsite improvements and uh, timing for improvements uh, throughout the site. In the course of the project review and in accordance with the city's requirements for community engagement, the applicant held a community engagement meeting on August 23rd, which was uh, held here at uh, City Hall and was attended by residents of the surrounding communities, including the communities on Shepherd Lane and Woodward Drive. Uh, at this uh, meeting, residents voiced concerns over potential impacts on traffic, uh, dust mitigation, as well as use. In response to these concerns, the uh, applicant has uh, addressed this through the project review. They have prepared a traffic analysis which um, evaluates that there would be no significant impacts on traffic. Future development at the site will require the preparation of a fugitive um, dust and mitigation plan, which would uh, alleviate or mitigate for the dust concerns. 
and in response to concerns for views, the environmental analysis determined that there would there are no scenic vistas. However, in uh, with respect to the concerns of residents along the uh, existing western and southern single-family uh, communities, uh, the applicant has prepared or provided the 45 to 50 foot wide uh, landscape buffer, which provides a separation. In addition to that, the specific plan will also restrict the development of homes on the lots adjacent to that landscape buffer to a single story. And uh, the uh, exhibit on the screen shows what this landscape buffer would look like. And additionally, the applicant has provided illustrated cross sections which demonstrate uh, the, what the future development would look like with the uh, proposed pad height elevations and separation. This exhibit shows the properties located to the south along Woodward Drive. And this exhibit shows the properties along the communities of Shepherd Lane. And as you can see, the applicant has provided a cross-section for each of the uh, neighborhoods. Um, additionally, at the Planning Commission meeting on uh, October 18th, residents also reiterated some of these concerns. Um, however, uh, the Planning Commission felt that those concerns were adequately addressed by the proposed plan and therefore uh, recommended that the City Council approve the project as presented uh, subject to the resolutions for the specific plan and the tentative track map. Uh, that concludes uh, my presentation. I'm happy to answer any questions. Uh, the applicant is also available for any questions. Okay, we'll start. Are there, any council members have any questions of staff on what we've heard? Any? Okay, well, we will open the public. Oh, you have a question. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Council Member Kelly. Thank you. Um, I asked a question of staff before the meeting, and I'll ask it here because the answer may be of interest to some members of the public. Uh, the town center neighborhood designation uh, contemplates planning for some mixed use uh, so that residents have some destinations within walking distance uh, by way of small businesses, potentially cafes, coffee houses. Uh, this is something that residents in this developing part of the city have expressed a strong interest in. And the current proposal does not achieve that for this specific plot. Uh, can staff share what's in the works uh, nearby that speaks to accomplishing that goal? Yes, uh, thank you, uh, Council Member Kelly. There are a, a number of vacant parcels within the city's north sphere that are within close proximity to the project, which could facilitate the future development of neighborhoods serving small-scale retail and commercial uses. Um, many of those lots, however, are privately held and are subject to market demand and uh, future planning approval. Uh, there are potential opportunities within the Millennium Specific Plan, which is within close proximity as well as the uh, city-controlled uh, university neighborhood specific plan or the uh, 170 acres at the uh, 
corner of Portola Avenue and Frank Sinatra Drive, and that is the uh, the northeast corner. Very good. That was good. Uh, good question, Councilmember Kathleen Kelly, and appreciate your insight. <laughs> Are there any other questions? Okay, now we'll open the public hearing. Are there any members of the public who would like to speak to this? No public comment, Madam Mayor. And I have no blue cards on this. So in that we have no public comment, we'll close the public hearing. And um, would anyone like to speak to this? I motion to adopt if there are no other comments. Anyone like to speak? Well, we do need housing, and I'm very excited about all the housing projects we had brought before, especially even in this council meeting. So we need housing, and I look forward to getting this project built. So I would second the motion. Great. Yeah, I would just add that this is, um, in many ways, an ideal type of residential development. It presents a mix of different types of residential options, including a variety of prices. And we've always said that one of our goals is to create not only affordable housing, but also housing that is affordable. And I think we're accomplishing that goal with this project. Um, I also have great faith in the free marketplace. And I believe as people occupy an area, businesses spring up around them uh, because it's profitable for them to do so. So I have no doubt that many of the empty lots will be developed in the, in the way that uh, the code envisions. Um, so I too support this project. Okay. Did was there a second anywhere in there? I, you, I made the second. I don't know okay. if you made, did that you actually a make a motion? Hand is up. Yes, a motion. That was the motion, that was the second. And yes, Council Member Kelly. Wait, you're still muted? There's a little delay here. Testing. There, and go. you're on. I bet if you count to five, that'll be the delay, so. Uh, I concur, and the the remarks Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan uh, made during the last agenda item have application here too. We don't have the option of pulling up the drawbridge and just keeping Palm Desert all to ourselves. Uh, something is going to happen on our undeveloped land. And I greatly appreciate the members of the public who participated in this process. They brought up valid questions. I equally appreciate the applicant who is responsive uh, to those appropriate concerns. And I would urge affected members of the public to celebrate that process and uh, to know that the product that will come their way uh, is superior uh, to other possibilities as the state restricts our discretion uh, to determine uh, the intensity of housing and heights. So thank you to the public, thank you to the applicant uh, for bringing us something that we can enthusiastically approve. Hey, thank you. Are there any other comments? 
I have a I few. have one comment. Oh, go ahead. Um, my comment is gratitude to the developer and, of course, to staff. I recall early on there were conversations such as requesting that there be an entry turning lane to avoid uh, future traffic backup as we do uh, build the population density and also being responsive to the request to um, revise some of the street layouts to allow for greater walkability and greater traffic access. So those little details that we know took additional time are very much appreciated and we look forward. Personally, I look forward and it sounds like we've got support from the others to move forward and, and make this great community um, that keeps Palm Desert growing. Thank you. Thank you. So as so often is the case with public engagement our uh, and responsive developers, our, the projects get better. And what we have here is a great example of that. And as Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan said, you know, we, it's not just affordable housing, it's housing that's affordable for everyone. And we pride ourselves in Palm Desert in so many different ways of having something for everyone. And this is a great case of that. And this is housing for our neighbors and the people who are, would love to be our community members, but there's no housing. They work here, they come, they go, we want them to stay, we want these to be our neighbors and to call themselves community members of Palm Desert, and this is one of those projects that will allow that. So I think it's outstanding, and I think we, uh, through a lot of work together, we have a great project. So we have a motion and a second. Can we have a roll call vote, please? Mayor Patum Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. Yes. Councilmember Nestandy. Yes. Councilmember Quintanilla. Aye. Mayor Harnick. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Thank you so much. Okay, uh, this is now public hearing B, adopt a resolution for a historic landmark designation for the Charles E. Dubois House, located at 72806 Bursara Way, parenthetically APN 628-102-012, case number CRPC 22-03, and Mr. Finley is hung in there. On again. <laughs> Again, good evening, Mayor, City Council. Uh, I'm still your chief building official. Tonight I bring forward a public hearing for historic landmark designation for the property located 72806 Bursera Way, case number CRPC 22-03. Unlike most homes built in Palm Desert in the 1950s and 60s, the Purple Hills Estate homes were track homes designed with a custom appearance. Designed by architect Charlie Charles Debois, these styles, of home, these styles of homes epitomize the unique architecture and classic look of early Palm Desert with several exterior appearances ranging from ranch, French Second Empire, Greek Revisal up to mid-century modern. The uniqueness can be seen in 47 homes in Palm Desert in which Charles Dubois left an indelible mark on architecture. 72806 Bracera Way represents this style in the original inspired form and worthy of the designation. On August 30th, 2022, the Cultural Resources Preservation Committee conducted a public hearing and unanimously whew, recommended nominating the property with historic landmark designation. I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you so much. Are there any council member questions of staff? I see none. So we will open the public hearing. And are there any public comments? No public comment, Madam Mayor. No public comments. 
Okay, uh, then I'm going to close the public hearing. And are there any comments? <laughs> if I might, um, first I want to thank uh, Mr. Toldsman for his patience and perseverance. It's been a long road, and you're just one of our great residents, and we appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, and I'm prepared to move approval. I second the motion, and I would like to make the comment to thank the applicant for a very, very thorough application. Um, being the liaison to the Cultural Resources Preservation Committee, I can attest to the lengthy application that really was truly stellar and exemplary. So thanks again for the hard work to put that together. Are there any other comments? Certainly not a surprise for Mr. Uh, Toltzman, that's for sure. Uh, okay. Then we have a motion and a second. Can we have a roll call vote? Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. Yes. Councilmember Niscandi. Yes. Councilmember Quintanilla. Aye. Mayor Harnick. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Thank you so much. Are there any additional information items at this time? Our next meeting, and correct me if I'm wrong, is December 15th, is it not? It is December 15th. And I think it's only fitting that the mayor pro tem should adjourn this meeting. And I wish you all a very meaningful Thanksgiving. It doesn't come on. It doesn't work. On that note. On that note, this meeting is adjourned. Yay. Thank you. Have a good evening, everyone. <laughs>